Okay. So, today we're looking at Batman number 13, the October-November issue, published in 1942. And we're looking at the second comic within that issue. On the cover, we have the Joker. He is wearing a card-themed bathrobe with green hems and sitting in front of a mirror like actors have with lights all around the side. He's got a bunch of makeup cases in front of him and he's holding up a Greek tragedy mask and smiling at us like a Greek comedy mask. In the mirror, we can see Batman and Robin bursting through a door behind him. And this comic is called Comedy of Tears. The comic starts out with Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson waking up. They're both in pajamas, Bruce's are blue, Dick's are red with black spots like a ladybug, even though we've seen him in yellow pajamas before. Now we know he has multiple sets of pajamas. He sits on his bed and stretches and he's all, Bruce, I had this horrible nightmare that I was fighting the Joker. Bruce is like, yeah, I hate to break it to you, but... Your dream's probably gonna come true soon because the Joker is loose again. And that is the perfect segue to cut over to the Joker, where he is hiding behind a curtain in some apartment staring at the city. He's all, fools, they call me the Joker, but soon they shall see another side of me. The Joker is in fact so eager to get them to see another side of him that he actually starts advertising it. He sends out thugs holding signs that say stuff like, The Joker greets you, and The greatest clown in history is also the greatest tragedian, and He will prove it by bringing tears to your eyes. Everyone's all, huh? What? What is going on? And one person even suggests that the Joker might be reforming. How does this bring Joker reform to your mind in any way? But the Joker doesn't stop with just sending thugs out to promote him, he also sends out balloons with little notes taped to them. Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are among the crowd that see these notes. They say, Comedy is but the other face of tragedy. Everybody looks around with little question marks. They're confused except for Bruce and Dick. Bruce is like, that just looks like more work for Batman and Robin. And Dick is all, yup, but I wonder what he's really up to. In this panel, Bruce Wayne is yet again wearing his giant overcoat, very similar to the one he was wearing when Dick's parents died. Except for instead of being orange, it's blue. I like that overcoat. The next day, the Joker starts up his spree of tragedies, and he begins by trying to make a kid cry. This kid is Johnny Blake, who's leaving school with his report card. This month, he's actually done really well in school. He's gotten three A's instead of three D's, like he did the previous month and the month before. He's all, I can't wait to show this to my parents when I get home. But then the Joker comes up from behind him and snaps him to the ground and steals the report card. He's all, your parents won't see this because I'm taking it. Then he runs away into a car and Johnny cries. He's all, if I don't get my report card to my parents, they'll think I've just hidden it from them because I'm afraid to show them my bad grades. And as the Joker drives off, he laughs to himself. My first success in making people cry. Yeah, but he's like 10. 10-year-olds cry all the time anyway. Later that day, a man named Joe Brady is out doing his first day of work in a year. He's got this petition sheet that he got 100 people 
from a swanky uptown district to sign about having the park commissioner removed. It's for the park commissioner's rival who has promised to give him five cents for every signature he gets. But as he's going along to give the petition back to the guy, one of the Joker's thugs shows up with a gun. He's all, give me that petition. Joe hands it over and then he cries. And the thug runs back to the Joker in his car laughing. Again, a little while later, we see this chauffeur having a job interview. He's like, Mr. Van Gild, I have the best list of references that I can show you right now. But Mr. Van Gild is all, oh, I don't want your references. Show me how well you can drive. So the chauffeur and Mr. Van Gild get into the car. The chauffeur does really well. And Mr. Van Gild is impressed. Now he only wants to see the references before he hires this guy. The guy pulls out his references, but when he does, the Joker comes and hits him on the head with a gun and steals all his references. The chauffeur is like, I'm sorry, Mr. Van Gild. I can locate my former employers right away and get my references back for you. But Mr. Van Gild is mean and has no patience. He's all, how do I know you weren't in cahoots with that thief? Which you would think is unreasonable, but then you remember it's the Joker, and he does ridiculous things all the time. So maybe Mr. Van Gild is right to be suspicious, although this isn't part of the Joker's plan this time. Over with Batman and Robin, they're reading the paper to learn all about the Joker's crimes. They find out that he's stolen the report card, the petition, and the list of references, and made all the people he stole them from cry. Dick's all, yeah, he's making people cry all right, but what for? Batman's like, yeah, there must be some reason behind it all. We've got to be ready when the Joker shows his hand. He thinks about the things that were stolen again, and then he gets it. He snaps his fingers, and he's all, I see what he's after. Come on, we've got to go see Commissioner Gordon. Then he and Robin run off. Yes, says the comic, there is a method behind the Joker's madness. Batman has guessed the secret of the crybaby crimes. Have you? All I really have is that they're paper? Guess there's some names involved, too. Except for the report card. Unfortunately, we don't get to find out what's going on right away, because instead of following Batman to Commissioner Gordon's, we actually go see the Joker. He's poring over his stolen papers, and his thugs are standing around questioning what's going on for real this time. One of the guys is all, Joker, that's some risk just to make some people cry. But the Joker, who's forgotten to put on his lipstick, is all, fool, that's what I want people to think, to cover up my real aim. I didn't take this report card just to make some kid cry. I wanted it because it has J.P. Blake's signature on it. Then he pulls out the petition and the list of references, and he's all, and these are both signed by wealthy, important men and upstanding citizens. Do you see now? And all the thugs are like, oh, so we're going to forge checks and cash and stuff. But the Joker's like, no, that's too risky. I have other plans. And a little while later, we get to see those plans in action. There's a big line for Colossal Studios, where a gala crowd is celebrating the filming of the final scenes of a great epic. There are a bunch of people in line, and two of them are the Joker's thugs. Normally, they wouldn't get through, but this time, they're carrying J.P. Blake's pass. And when the security guy sees it, he just lets him in, no problem. 
In fact, they even managed to smuggle in Tommy guns under their coats. I feel like that should have been obvious to the security guy, but apparently not. Now, they and the Joker, who's also gotten in, are gonna mess up the filming. And finally, we get to see Batman over at Commissioner Gordon's. He's all, the Joker pulled these jobs to obtain signatures, just like the Joker already told us. Commissioner Gordon's all, what can we do? But then, a police officer bursts into the room. He's all, the Joker is holding up the colossal studio crowd. A guard managed to phone us. Batman's all, ha, I'm right. Johnny Blake's father is the vice president of Colossal. They forged his signature. So Batman and Robin have to run off to rescue the people at the film set. When they get there, the Joker is filming his own movie. He has cameras running and lights pointed at the actors and everything. But instead of having his actors be actors, the actors are just rich people who are being forced to put their gems in this giant sack. He also tells them that he has men covering them with machine guns. He's actually filming all this in front of a giant boat, and all his thugs are sitting in one of the lifeboats so they can more easily aim their guns at the guests. But this backfires on them when Robin swings in carrying a knife. He takes the knife and cuts some of the ropes on the rowboat, and all the thugs fall to the ground and drop their machine guns. He's all, I don't like this scene. Cut! And the ropes snap with a snap. This makes the Joker really angry. He points his gun at Robin and is about to shoot him when Batman flies in and kicks the Joker right in the arm. Batman's all, your direction is poor, Joker, and I mean that both ways. Like, his film directing is poor and then also the direction he's standing in? I don't know. Batman punches the Joker with a pow and he falls to the ground, but then he just kicks Batman in the face and stands back up and runs away. Meanwhile, Robin is beating up all the other thugs. He's doing a really good job of it, too. The people manning the cameras haven't even bothered to run away. They're too busy filming Robin. Meanwhile, the Joker has run pretty far away from Batman. The movie studio they're in must be giant because it has this huge cliff with a little castle on top. That even has a rope bridge connecting it to another cliff. Their sets are massive. And the Joker is running up the little staircase built into the mountain right up to the castle. He decides to make a stand in front of it. And when Batman gets there, he goes to punch the Joker. But the Joker just ducks. And Batman flies past him onto the little rope bridge with a crack. Now the Joker has all the power in the situation. He can easily cut the bridge and send Batman falling off. Apparently, he thinks this is a deadly situation for Batman because he's all Robin. I'll trade you Batman's life for all the jewels that are already collected from the rich people sitting in a bag down there. And Robin's like, hmm, well, I don't want to give the Joker money. But also, if he cuts the ropes on that bridge, Batman probably will die. So I should just give him the jewels. He starts dragging them up the mountain. But then Batman from the rope bridge goes, stop, Robin, those jewels are not ours to bargain with. The Joker gets really mad and goes to cut the rope, but Batman gets ahead of him. He jumps off the rope bridge to his doom, apparently. I don't know why people think Batman's gonna die after falling off this rope bridge. I mean, it is kind of far, but I feel like he takes farther falls on the regular. The Joker sure thinks he's dead, though. He's all, that stupid idealist. 
giving up his own warm life to save some cold jewels. Somehow, I feel cheated because he died that way. And Robin panics too. He's all, Batman's dead. I know it. Why'd he do that? And the comic asks us too. Why did Batman do that? Obviously, Batman did that because he thought he could survive it. Why are we pretending like falling three stories is gonna kill Batman? I mean, I'm sure it's not pleasant, but it's definitely survivable. And a minute later, Batman proves that himself. Robin runs up to underneath the bridge where he finds Batman, perfectly fine, climbing out of a safety net. So not only was the fall not deadly, it had a safety net underneath it. Robin's all, phew, you sure had me fooled. They want to go after the Joker, but he's already gotten away. All they have is a scrap of paper that Dick managed to grab from the thugs. It's a newspaper clipping about a guy named Pretty Boy Duggan, who will be electrocuted at 11.15 tonight unless the governor gives over a last-minute reprieve. But gives is spelled O-I-V-E-S, like OVS. I don't know how the letterer made that mistake, but it happened. Batman and Robin decide that the Joker must be doing something at the prison and they better go intercept him. It is day when they leave the film set, though. Even if it's the middle of summer, it can't be more than 9 o'clock. They have at least two hours to prepare. But later that night at the prison, a little before 11 p.m., it seems like they haven't done anything at all. Because when a green car full of people in blue suits pull up to the prison and say the governor actually has given the reprieve, Batman's not there. The prison guys just read it and figure they'd better give up Pretty Boy Duggan. And when they do, after he's packed into the car, one of the guys in blue takes off his face. And he's the Joker, of course. He laughs at how funny it'll be when the government people realize the signature's been forged. And Pretty Boy Duggan thanks the Joker for getting him out and says that his lawyer will definitely pay him that $100,000. But it seems like Batman and Robin weren't too late, because as the Joker and company are driving away, they see behind them the Batmobile. The Joker, who's still not wearing his lipstick, is all, Drat! Batman's still alive! Step on it! And then starts a merry chase through the streets of Gotham. The Joker is just in a normal car, and the Batmobile is the Batmobile. Even if it does have the creepy bat head. So, of course, Batman and Robin easily gain on these thugs. Eventually, they chase them down a dead-end street. They have to jump out and run on their feet. All four of the Joker's group start running into a beach club. But right before they go through the door, Batman and Robin tackle two of them to the ground. The other two keep running while Batman and Robin beat these guys up. One of the guys they managed to grab was Pretty Boy Duggan. So at least he's recaptured. Robin punches him a couple times in the chest, and as he does, Pretty Boy is all, Ow! 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 And Batman, rather insensitively, I'd say, mocks him with the prospect of going back to the electric chair. He's all, That's not as bad as the hot seat you're going to get. Yeah, Batman, just remind this guy of his imminent death. Soon those guys are beat up, and Batman goes and chases the Joker. When inside the beach club, the Joker somehow got his hands on this little beach sailboat. It's meant for driving along the sand, but it's powered by a sail. Batman grabs one too, and he chases the Joker down the beach with it. He's all, 
sand sailboats. I've chased that madman in almost every kind of vehicle, but this is a new one. Not anymore. What are you going to say next comic when you chase him in some new, even more ridiculous vehicle? They go for a long way, but Batman is much better at sailing than the Joker. And he catches up and jumps from his little sand sailboat onto the Joker's sand sailboat. Once he's on board, he goes to kick the Joker, but the Joker is the one in control of the vehicle, so he moves it around enough to almost knock Batman off. Just in time, Batman manages to catch hold of one of the ropes and he stays on the boat. The Joker gets up from his seat and goes to fight Batman, but that means no one is in charge of the sand sailboat, and they crash right into a big mound of rocks. Crash! Batman and the Joker go flying right into the ocean. Neither of them resurface for a while, but then, after a couple seconds, Batman's head bursts out of the water. He's all, that was a close shave. Then he looks around and he's all, looks like the Joker didn't come up. Has the master of mockery finally plunged to his doom on the jagged rocks beneath the waves? Only time can tell, the comic tells us. But of course he didn't, he's just fake died again. In fact, his death is so fake, this isn't even the end of the comic. A week later, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson get another newspaper, all about the Joker pulling new jobs. They didn't even pretend he was dead for a whole comic. Bruce is all, oh, I was afraid that he would actually survive that. I can't ever relax. Dick is all, okay, well, how are we going to go after him this time? We don't know what he's going to do next. And Bruce is like, well, we'll just have to offer him some bait. Great idea, Bruce. Put another gem in the paper. I hear he likes rubies and diamonds. But actually, the bait they put in the papers is not a gem. It's an article about a champion autograph hunter who's going around the city getting autographs. And underneath that is a picture of Dick Grayson wearing a hat. So the next day, Dick Grayson puts on a lime green hat and goes to fulfill his duties as a autograph hunter. He gets his little book signed by Joe DiMago, who's a baseball player. Then, in a very brain-breaking scene, he gets an autograph from Jerry Segal, the creator of Superman. Dick has always wanted his autograph, he says. Yeah. So all this time, I've been operating under the assumption that Batman and Robin are off in their little corner of the world doing their thing, and Superman's off in his little corner of the world doing whatever he does. As a real person, I, I did not think he was a fictional character to Batman and Robin too, Especially since they interact on the covers of World's Finest Comics. Weird. Finally, Dick goes and gets an autograph from a Mr. Bigby who's signing books. He even takes off his hat while he's doing this to be polite, which completely ruins his disguise and makes him look exactly like Dick Grayson. When he's leaving the bookstore, he thankfully puts his hat back on before his little autograph book is snatched by one of the Joker's thugs. He's all, hey! But then, as soon as the thug disappears, he smirks real big and he's all, it worked! The fish bit all right, and there's only one signature in that book the Joker can really use, because the rest are going out of town. And that night, we get to see whose autograph the Joker can use. It's Mr. Bigby who is signing books. Some guy comes up to talk to a hotel worker and asks for the key to Mr. Bigby's vault. 
since he has the signature the hotel worker gets it for him. And later, who comes bursting in to Mr. Bigby's suite? The Joker, carrying the head of the thug who got the key earlier. Clearly this is just a mask, but looks pretty creepy. He's all, don't be alarmed, Mr. Bigby. I'm just here to collect your rare butterfly collection. That was a hard sentence to say. Don't use the same word twice within five words of each other. It's hard. The Joker, after tongue-tying us, swears up and down that he can sell the butterfly collection for at least $100,000. Mr. Bigby is restrained and the Joker opens the safe. But when he does, what does he find but not a butterfly collection, but Batman and Robin bursting straight out of the safe. Batman punches him so hard in the jaw he just falls over. And then they start beating up the rest of the thugs. Batman throws one of them straight into the Joker's neck. He's all, blast you, Batman. Mr. Bigby even gets in on the action. Since he's a butterfly collector, he has a bunch of nets and a huge bottle of chloroform, which he uses to capture and then knock out all the Joker's thugs. Eventually, the Joker is the only one left. Robin thinks this turn of events is hilarious. He's all, nice going, Bigby. But he shouldn't have turned his attention away from the fight because the Joker uses his inattentive moment to grab him and point a giant pair of silver scissors at his head. The Joker's all, I get it, my men are captured, my plans are broken up, but I'm still gonna get something out of this. Mr. Bigby, I want you to give me a hundred thousand dollars or else I'm gonna stab Robin. Batman's all, hmm. Mr. Bigby, you'd better give the Joker his $100,000. Oh, Batman, what'd you say earlier? That those jewels were not yours to give? I don't think Mr. Bigby's money is yours to give either. In fact, Mr. Bigby agrees with Batman's sentiment from earlier. He's like, I never said I'd give the Joker $100,000. Why would I do that? And Batman's all, hey, I promised him that you would give him $100,000 and I can't break my word, so you better pay him. Mr. Bigby finally agrees, and a little while later, Batman hands the Joker an envelope containing $100,000. He's all, here's your money, Joker. Joker's like, thanks. I knew you'd keep your promise, Batman. He lets Robin go and leaves. But when he gets back to his hideout and opens the envelope, it isn't $100,000 in cash. It's a check made out from the Gotham City Bank to pay to order of the Joker for $100,000, signed by Mr. Bigby. The Joker's so mad, he's all, I'm such an idiot. Of course Batman kept his word, but he had Bigby pay me with a certified check. I can't cash this. It's made out to the Joker. If I go into a bank, I'll be nabbed. And back at Bruce Wayne's house, Batman and Robin laugh and laugh. Robin's all, I'd like to see the Joker's face when he realizes we gave him a check. And Batman's like, poetic justice, Robin. He wanted to make others cry, and now it's our turn to make him cry. It is a pretty good face, Robin, you are right. The end.